0: Proverbs chapter 25, that's where we started last week, where we left off last week, and we pick up here again uh, tonight, Proverbs 25. Last week I mentioned the fact that at least from my viewpoint, this chapter basically divides itself into two very unequal parts. The first part just goes down through verse 7 actually. And uh, it deals basically with rulers, with leaders, relationships. So here is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the church, because in every part of society, uh, we relate to one another through our relationships. And sometimes we don't do a very good job at that. Uh, We think about our leaders, for example. We talked about leaders, the rulers, last week. And uh, basically we talked about, you know, what our attitude toward them ought to be, but certainly uh, there is enough said also about what their attitude should be in regards to their responsibility. And it's so sad when we see what happened in America today, and we know that that is just the tip of the iceberg. We know that there is a uh, a lot of people in this nation that uh, literally hate it. I'm thinking of the quote by George Soros that I I read it again today and he made it in fact back in, I think it was 1973, uh, where he said, I hate America, I hate everybody in America and want to do everything I can to destroy it. And he's been working at that all of these years, uh, funding all of this nonsense, so There's a lot to be said about the need for the principles in Proverbs when it comes to the governing of our nation. But the same thing is true in our relationships with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, as husbands and wives and so forth. And so so that's what we're talking about now and through the remainder of the chapter. But uh, in verse number 8, and uh, you'll see that there's going to be a common theme in this regards down through our study tonight and i won't need to tell you what it is you'll figure it out quick go not forth hastily to strive lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame you know i wish i i wish i uh I wish I couldn't make this next comment I, I, because I wish it wasn't true, but it is. It's a fact, and that is that conflicts are certain in life, absolutely certain. Uh, wh- whether it's the, you, you know, the governing board of, uh, uh, of a big company, uh, there's going to be conflicts. If it's our leaders in our nation, there are going to be conflicts. There are going to be conflicts in marriages. There are going to be conflicts in churches. I mean, it's going to happen because it's impossible to have relationships without having disagreements. And if we took a survey now on any given subject, we could talk about football, baseball, we could talk about politics, we could talk about any subject you can imagine and everybody is not going to agree on everything that's just that that's a fact of life uh but that's not the problem the problem is not in our disagreements the problem is in how we handle those disagreements and unless we learn as what he's teaching us here to be patient we're going to create a worse situation you know, if we're irritable, if we're easily provoked, we're always going to be in trouble. And and uh, the idea here is that, to put it in modern day language, is we well, ought to think twice and give due consideration to a matter before we ever uh, take the offense, before we ever speak out, before we ever make a foolish charge against someone, before we enter into a debate with them Uh, think twice it's so easy for us to you know have this emotional feeling come over us when somebody says something that we don't agree with and and you know we've got all of our reasons for our uh, for our conclusion just like they do but we just we can't understand how in the world that they think we could be wrong because we've got it right they're the ones that's in the wrong and and, and if we're not careful we'll say some really hurtful silly things and sometimes over frivolous issues things that don't amount to a hill of beans and all of a sudden you've got an argument going and so we need to think twice don't judge presumptuously notice go not forth hastily don't be in a hurry uh, to strive And, and, and most of that's caused by Presumption, because you know, if 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 we are presumptuous in our conclusions that we draw about other people, and that can happen so very easy, because a lot of times you know uh, things are not as they appear, and we rush to judgment and we draw conclusions, and and then we find ourselves in a situation that we can't talk our our way out of and end up embarrassing ourselves, And that's what he's saying here. He says, don't go forth hastily to strive. Notice, lest thou not know what to do in the end thereof. In other words, you've spouted off something that you shouldn't have said. You've made a charge that you shouldn't have made. You've entered into a debate that you shouldn't be involved in. And now all of a sudden you're caught on the horns of a dilemma and you don't know what to say. And there you stand there looking like goofus and you don't have a clue what to say and your face gets red. Notice your neighbor puts you to shame. You keep yourself out of those situations by just uh, being patient and not engaging in those kind of debates. Now, verse number 9, and here we go again. He's carrying the same line of thought, and uh, he talks again about this matter of debating issues. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, Now, I'm going to read verse 10, and we're going to tie these two together because they're so closely related, and you really can't study one without the other. Lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy be uh, uh, turned not away. Now, as I said earlier, I think it was last week, uh, uh, about this section here, that he's showing us how to stifle strife. And and here in these two verses, there are three principles that help us stifle strife. And we certainly need to because there's a lot of strife in this world. Principle number one is deal with the person patiently. Now we just got through talking about that in verse number eight. Deal with them patiently. Don't rush into a bait. Don't fly off the handle. Don't make foolish charges or threats against others. Be patient with each other the second principle is found in verse number 9 where to deal with with the person personally he says debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself you know i said at the very beginning we can expect to have conflicts because there are going to be disagreements And there's not anything wrong in talking about our disagreements. There's a big difference between having a a disagreement and bringing charges against one another and accusing one another and uh, getting into a heated debate with somebody. And so notice he says, debate thy cause. Sometimes it does good to talk about those issues, in fact. But notice you debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. That's exactly what Jesus told us to do. If you want to turn over to Matthew chapter number 5, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with these verses, and some of you could even quote these verses, uh, but maybe you want to jot it in the margin of your Bible, verse 21. And notice he says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill whomsoever thou shall kill, shall be in danger of the judgment, but I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha shall be, which means vain fellow, by the way, shall be in danger of the council. and whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell." And so the Lord here is talking about how we relate to one another and uh, the need to keep from making foolish charges against one another. But notice verse 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Now, there's something important about that. It doesn't say that you remember you have something against him. Because a lot of times we we don't want to deal with issues because so we say, well, I, I don't have anything against him, and so you know I you know I, I'm just going to steer clear of this. But notice he's talking about whenever you recognize the fact that somebody has ought against you, and this is what you do: leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, and be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now whenever we go to the third principle remember there's the matter of dealing with the with the issue patiently and personally going back to verse number nine we see we're to deal with it privately personally and privately discover not a secret to another in other words don't tell everybody yeah so and so and i have been we've been we've been having some problems yeah we're He doesn't like me or I don't like him or or whatever. Keep it between uh, yourselves. There's no reason for a third party to be involved. And whenever you look over to Matthew chapter 18, and again when the Lord is talking about this matter of relationships, and we just talked about the matter of reconciliation and how important it is, you go off to worship the Lord, and there you remember somebody has all against you. He says, just forget it. Forget about the worship, and first you go and, and and you get things right with him. Try to be reconciled to your brother. Well, here in chapter number 18 of Matthew and verse number 15, the Lord says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. And let me tell you, they will sooner or later. Your, your, even your brothers and sisters in Christ eventually somebody is going to trespass against you. There's going to be conflict. He said, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. In in, in other words, the, the first initial discussion about the difference is to be just between the two of you. Years ago, I had someone to march in my office with someone else to discuss an issue they had with me. And they gave the explanation that the Bible, you know, teaches that we're to, you know, we're to do things with, by having a, a witness and have, you know, two or three witnesses and and uh, we believe that you made a, a wrong decision about something and, 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 and the first, thing I thought of is wait a minute you have totally ignored the first step which was for you to come to me and talk to me about it in private and personally just between the two of us and, uh, and there's a good lesson in that I think for all of us uh, in that we need to you know keep our problems you know between us and the other party I've often said so many times and I believe with all my heart, because I've seen it happen, that a lot of times somebody will commit a sin, they'll do something that's wrong, and there's no question about that. They are guilty as they can be. And, and the manner, though, in which others deal with it and the way they talk about it, they end up doing more harm in talking about the person's sin than that person's sin did. And that just doesn't make sense. And that's why a lot of times, you know, I'll refer to the fact we're talking about something in the church. And, you know, it's when it involves another member of the church. Let's let's suppose that we got so brave as to actually exercise church discipline, which we and just about everybody else on God's earth nowadays thinks that's a horrible, terrible thing, evidently, because nobody, nobody does it anymore and you can just, you know, do whatever you want and, uh, everything is fine, but but listen, that's behind closed doors and not something that we do with guests in our presence. And whenever whenever there's something going on in the church, uh, maybe uh, somebody makes a decision that you don't agree with. There's a conflict going on. One of the worst things you can do is to go down to the hamburger stand and tell somebody down there that you've known all of your life maybe and you go down there and vent all of your frustrations. Well, I'm having second thoughts about ever going back to church and they did this and they did that. And you go out there and engage in conversation with other people about the problems that's going on in the church and you're going to end up doing more harm than they do. It might be that some teenage girl will get uh, uh, pregnant. I'll, I'll, I'll be dignified. Uh, 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 here's a teenage girl and boy, and, and let me tell you, it can happen to any of them. And she gets pregnant, and we we can do more damage in, in gossiping about that than the harm that comes from the sin that she committed. And there's no doubt about it. What she did was wrong. But our first goal is what? To restore her, to help her, uh, rather than to go out here and spread the news everywhere. So if we'll follow those three principles, that we'll deal with our issues uh, patiently and personally and privately, boy, it'll help a lot in resolving our differences. And certainly... It's easy to make an application to the family, and Bev and I—I I mean, just like any marriage couple—we've—we've n- we've not always agreed on every issue. Uh, uh, never will, I don't guess, and that's to be expected. But don't ever air your differences and have your arguments in front of your kids. Uh, you go into a room and shut the door, or you walk around the block, or you do whatever you got to do. But don't drag your kids into those arguments. Keep it private and personal. Now, verse 10, and this is why I read the verse because it ties right into it. This is going to speak about the consequences of betraying uh, confidence and revealing secrets. Lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy Infamy turn not away. Uh, I'll bet you've heard, like most of us from our mothers, nobody likes a tattletale. Did your mother ever say that to you? Nobody likes a tattletale. Don't be tattling on on others, and 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 it's true. And and we put ourselves to shame when we go around gossiping about others, and you know, besides talking about their faults and their failures, really doesn't help them one little bit. What good does it do uh, by way of restoring that person for you to go to somebody else and to talk about them? And not only that, but notice this second phrase tells us it'll end up ruining our reputation. Thine infamy shall turn not away. And you're you're going. To, there's going to be a stigma attached to your name after that, because most people have enough sense to know that if you'll talk about others to them, you'll talk about them to others. In fact, if you didn't know that, you you be, you, be, you better get that figured out right now, because that's just the way that it works. You see, and those that um, you know that know what you've done been a personal witness to it, maybe you vented to them, Uh, they're going to think about you as a backbiter, a gossip, a slander, and someone that can't be trusted. Notice there's really two things here, I think. He's talking about uh, going back to verse number 9, and he's talking about the issues, and and, and he says, "Debate uh, "...debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another." And one one issue has to do with gossip and the other has to do with slandering someone. And the reason I raise that issue is because a lot of people have the idea as long as what I say is true, then I'm at liberty to talk about it. No, you're not. What you say might be true, but that doesn't give you the right to gossip about it. But whenever we get to this matter of slander... That's a whole different issue altogether when we begin to slander others because we're not only talking about what we think they are doing or what they haven't done, they should have done. All of a sudden, we're condemning them and putting them down. And uh, in the end, we're going to end, end up ruining our own reputation. Now, verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And the word pictures here can actually apply to several things, and if you go back and look at the meaning of the Hebrew word itself, it means to see, and it's talking about anything, for example, an image. It's talking about an ornament, a, a sculpture. All of those things would qualify, and most people looking at it from the standpoint of the Hebrew language believe that it has a reference to a silver basket made out of silver network. Uh, we think of you know crochet work and what have you with the material but this is this is with silver and, and it's talking about something that's beautiful that uh is delicate and what have you something that catches the eye and, and he says a, a word fitly spoken is like putting apples of gold In a vessel like that, it's something pleasant and attractive and charming. And the point is that our words ought to be beautiful and they ought to be helpful uh, rather than base and harmful like he's been talking about. He's been talking about the things that we shouldn't say, the words that we uh, shouldn't speak. But now he's talking about speaking the words that are appropriate And notice when he says a word fitly spoken, that has to do with due consideration. Due consideration of time and place and just a word. Uh, Remember, Job said how forcible are right words. The power of speech is absolutely remarkable. It it, it is amazing. And to this day, we look back and we think about uh, some of the quotes that uh, Churchill left us. Uh, we think about some that roosevelt left and different famous men down through the centuries and if you go back and you look at the time in which those statements were made and the inspiration those statements brought to people i'm telling you what uh, churchill just i mean by his uh, by by his speeches alone just in, 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 in one sense enabled England to reach down and pull herself up by her own bootstraps out of the mire of depression and enable them to have courage and to stand up and fight and there's absolutely no way of telling the great power that words have they hurt or or they can heal they can they can hinder us or they can help us and I think all of us can think of, you know, different occasions in our life where maybe uh, it just seemed like everything was going wrong and someone that, someone came along, it might have been an email, it might have been a, just a note, it might have been a passing comment in the, in the aisle of the church and just made, uh, made a remark that all of a sudden it just lifted us up and gave us hope. And brought joy to our heart. But, but notice here, he's speaking about a single word. Now, he could have said words, but he didn't. Just a word fitly spoken. And I think that's important because it tells us, you know, when we think about the importance of words, it's not the length of the word. It's not the number of words that we use, but rather it's the right word. Speaking the right word, in the right tone, at the right time, in the right place. And uh, I think a lot of times less can mean more. And and sometimes we we, we tend to overdo it. Uh, You don't have to give a speech or preach a sermon to encourage a person. Over the years, there have been several different times I've been in situations, and I can remember one really well, and here I was with a grieving family, and we, just, we we just walked out of the room where their loved one had passed, and all of a sudden, some super saint thought that it was a good time for him to take over the discussion. And, and, and I'm telling you, literally, we we go in this little room there in the chapel to where we can just the family can cry and and we can pray, and and all of a sudden it's like we're in a Bible study in Sunday school. And never in my life have I ever wanted to say, "Dude, shut your mouth." And I'm telling you, if it hadn't been a family member, I would have. But I was trying to be respectful. But the point is, we don't have to go on and on and on and on and on. Uh, y- y- you know, that's whenever somebody's going through a difficult time, that's the last thing they want is a lecture or a sermon. All they need to hear is somebody saying, you know, I love you. I'm praying for you. Or, or something like that. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. It's something beautiful, something that, uh, that 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 is pleasing, something that that refreshes the heart. And, and and so I hope that that all of us will stop and weigh our words before we speak, and uh, and 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 try to th- say things that will communicate love or kindness. Understanding, forgiveness, or sympathy, to where they're expressing the concern of our heart for the needs of their life. Now, let's just go one more verse tonight. As an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Now, here the point is that when right words are accepted, they beautify our character. Notice the word ornament here. That's speaking about a, uh, a jewel. It's speaking about a trinket or something like that that was in those days worn especially on the neck. And, and he speaks about also an earring of gold here. And, and, and he's saying that wise words will beautify those that are willing to obey them. Uh, no, notice he says a wise reprover. I don't know about you, but most of us don't like reproof, do we? Because we, even if if we're not sure that we're right, we want everybody else to think we are. The last thing we want is for other people to know we got it wrong, for them to think that we are in error. So consequently, you know, we... We tend to resent somebody coming to us saying, you know, you're wrong about this. Uh, And let me tell you, that's not the place of just anybody to do that, by the way. Just because somebody is wrong doesn't give us the right to confront them about their error. But there is a great need for wise reproof. And that's what he's talking about, a wise reprover. A wise somebody that is that comes to you in a spirit of meekness uh, and, and with a heart of love. That's why the Bible talks about the fact that we're to speak the truth in love, and that's why whenever Paul's uh, talking to Timothy about his ministry, and he talks about instructing those that oppose themselves with meekness. In other words, you know, Timothy, you stay down on their level. Don't you dare pretend you're better than they are because you'll never get through to them for one thing and I think most of us know when someone genuinely cares about us and or whenever somebody is just wanting to censor us, somebody's wanting you know to promote their idea and put put us down with. We, we know the difference most of the time. And sometimes you just have to bite your lip and go on, you know, and just let them think what they will. But I'm telling you, it's a, it's actually a wonderful thing when you have a friend uh, or maybe a family member, but somebody that is close enough to you that they can sit down with you and just tell you the gut-wrenching truth. Uh, <laughs> As I said, we don't always want to hear it, but sometimes we really do need to hear it. Do you know the worst critic I have on earth? I think I could be wrong about this. I, uh, and, and by critic, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm going to say now. It happens to be also the person that that I love most on the earth and the person that loves me the most on the earth. And I, Bev and I were talking about something. It was just this morning, I think it was, or yesterday. And and uh, she said, well, if it wasn't, I would tell you. And I said, yeah, I, 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 know, I know you would. She'd be honest about it. That's what I would want. And it'd be horrible to have a relationship with your husband or your wife, and you couldn't even and you couldn't even share the feelings of your heart and speak the truth about them. And there've been times, you know, our personalities are somewhat different. And she's the best listener of anybody I've ever met. I, I, that that amazes me because. Uh, just about everybody that knows me knows that I have a hard time being a good listener I, I'm sorry uh, That's not right I, I I need to do better at that and, and there have been times that maybe maybe we'd have company over or usually the kids there or something and and so after they're gone uh, she would say something like uh, do, you, do you think maybe they think you're mad about something I said well I don't know. Why? She said, well, because you just, you wasn't hardly talking. You just sitting there like an a log and not saying anything. And uh, as much as I don't want to hear that, <laughs> there's sometimes I need to hear that. I, I really do. And, and so that's what this is all about. And and he says, uh, the, the, whenever a wise reprover, and, and notice, here's the key to this. Um when, when a wise reprover comes to you, notice, and his reproof, his words fall upon what? An obedient ear. The person that that obeys what they hear. That takes into consideration the reproof that has been offered like, oh, yeah, you you know you are right. And, and notice what it says about that. That's like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold to that person in other words it, it that reproof that you despise so much ends up beautifying your life it improves your character it improves what people think about you your life is beautified by the fact that you are humble enough to be willing to listen to wise reproof now People are not always right, are they? There are going to be times that somebody, who no doubt will try to reprove you for something, and, and they, listen, they might do it with the right attitude, and they mean well, and they think they're right. But we need to love one another enough that it doesn't, it doesn't blow up into some kind of an argument, all because, let's go back to where we started, all because we have a disagreement. You cannot avoid disagreements, but how you deal with them makes a big difference, not only as to who you are as a person, but what other people think about you as a person. And so, by the way, whenever we keep going next week, Lord willing, and and you're going to see this matter of the words that we speak, the things that we say, this is going to be a theme on through this chapter because it's dealing with the relationships and and our communication with one another, so I hope you'll find something in it that'll that'll be helpful to you. All right, I'm through. Any.